Yeah, it's really an honor to be here. Um, I've said this before, but a lot of our family attends here, um, and we're really grateful um, for this, yeah, the weaving of, uh, of spirits that takes place um, with us in this church, with our family in this church, with us and our family, as they're growing and, and uh, being well-fed uh, in Christ and in this place. Um, yeah, I've got a real great opportunity to share a lot, kind of about um, a bit of a testimony about the work that we've been doing with our community farm and through early church. And at the same time, I want to share a little bit um, from, from our passage uh, from the Lord's Prayer. I, uh, Aubrey mentioned that we had a fundraiser last night, and so this was a real busy week. And Aubrey called me, I think, Tuesday or something, and said, do you want to preach on Sunday? He said, this might be a horrible idea because you have a fundraiser. And my immediate reaction was like, no way, you know. Uh, that would be insane, but he, he mentioned that it would be on the Lord's Prayer, and I just decided a couple days before that I was going to go through the Lord's Prayer with folks um, at, out at the farm. Each morning, we're going to look at one verse of the Lord's Prayer. So I was like, wow, that maybe, maybe that is something, you know. And he said, what I'd like you to speak on is God's provision in daily bread. And as he, when he called me, I was writing a newsletter article about the way God had provided for us in some pretty incredible ways. And so I felt, said, all right, let's do it. Um, and he said that I could just kind of tell stories and share a bit. So that's what I'm going to be doing. But I do want it to be under, um, under the Scripture um, and, and upon the Scripture and in the Scripture that we, uh, that we speak. And so I want to share a little bit about some of what God's been speaking to me about the Lord's Prayer and to our community as we've discerned and we've, we have a lot of time of discussion and things like that. Um, Lord's Prayer fits right here in the middle of, of, in Matthew anyway, in the middle of, of Christ's Sermon on the Mount as a focal point um, for what Christ is, is teaching his disciples. And um, what's, what really struck me as I was studying the Lord's Prayer is that here Jesus, in these however many six, six petitions, encapsulates so much about who all of God is, what, who God is as Father and as his King, and how that God who is holy, set apart, yet our Father, those two things, that's incredible, our Father, you know, intimate, caring, providing, uh, who is in heaven, you know, where things are unbroken, um, hallowed be your name, set apart, other than us. You know, you are our Father, and you've, you've welcomed us to be your children, but yet you also are holy, and you are other than us. Um, your kingdom come. He's a king. He's able. Um, he has the ability. Um, your will be done. He has the ability. He is willing. He has a will. Um, and every time we say those words, we submit our will to his will. On earth, you know, um, Aubrey, I listened to the sermon that Aubrey preached, and he mentioned how we are bits of earth, we're, we're, we're a handful of dust, we're, we're chunks of clay, um, we are that earth in our life, your will. So here we have this, this father, this king, this holy one in heaven, you know, all of these aspects of God in these few sentences. And then right where I'm going to come in with give us this day our daily bread is where this shift takes place and it goes from you, your, to our to, to, to give us. And at this shift is the place where all of God meets, the, the glory of God meets the frailty of man. 
in this place. All of a sudden it turns to us and all of a sudden it starts talking about needs, about, about our frailty. So we have this beautiful image of this incredible glorious God and this place where it meets the frailty of humankind. And where that meets is in this incredible petition, give us this day our daily bread. So that's where we get to start. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about how God's provided our daily bread out of the farm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really thankful to do that. Um, whenever you share a testimony, you know, it's interesting in our culture in America, it's all about we're very, very driven in our narrative as Americans by the narrative of heroism and heroes, you know, great, incredible people. I just watched the movie Cinderella Man, you know, that guy, people seen that movie. I mean, that guy was a tough dude, you know, Um, he was incredible. That's the American narrative. Greek mythology is also very driven by this narrative of heroism. Um, You know, I'm not a, I'm not a scholar on Greek mythology, so I don't want to step in too deep, but but my understanding is a lot of times the stories are about these incredible humans, oftentimes defying the gods in some way, or at least, you know, and, and it's these incredible stories about humans. The scriptures are not like that. Um, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, that is not how it works. If you look at Old Testament stories, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, which we have ironically dubbed um, in the heading a lot of times in our Bibles, heroes of the faith. Um, if you look at the lives of those people, I did a study on Hebrews 11, every single one of those people made some huge mistakes. And if you look at what that says at the last, when after it lists these people that we think of as the heroes of the faith, what it says, the definitive line after is, in their weakness, he was made strong. Um, in creation, God scoops up a handful of dust and breathes on it, you know? Um, to come away impressed with humans and human effort is to come away looking and saying, you know, when, when, when God scoops up the handful of dust, breathes on it, a human comes up saying, you know, that's some nice dirt, you know, that's some good dirt right there. That's missing the point. The breath of God has moved and has done something. And so as I share a testimony um, with my own arrogances and my own pride and things like that, um, let's not miss, the, miss what what is happening here is that the breath of God. You know, I was thinking of Jonah. I read the story of Jonah this week. And, uh, you know, I, th- I don't think I would have even liked to hang out with Jonah very much, to be honest. Um, he, you know, he has this beautiful prayer when he's in the belly of the whale. And it's powerful. And you realize he gets it. But before that, you know, he, the voice of God speaks to him. He heads in the exact opposite direction. Um, he runs from it. And then after, when he finally gives in, because God swallowed him up in a whale and then spit him out to make a point, um, and then God does this incredible work in Nineveh, he sits there and he pouts and he complains, you know, and, and he's, he's frustrated. So God moves among, the glory of God moves among the frailty of humankind, and, uh, and we're grateful for it. So with all that in mind, um, God has provided for us in some pretty incredible ways. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about our story. And, uh, and from, from past to present. Um, I moved to Harrisonburg, Virginia from Canada. Actually, Aaron Cook, I just thought of this, Aaron Cook is part of the reason why I'm able to be here. Uh, he filled out, helped me figure out all the uh, immigration stuff in order to be here. Um, little did he know what he was getting us all into. So, um, so we came here, and um, 
needed to have work, so I started framing houses. Emily's dad um, uh, showed me this little dilapidated house. Um, this is probably seven years ago. And um, it was this big house. It was actually fairly big, but it was in, in horrible shape. And, um, and I was framing houses, and we had this idea that we could fix up this house. And uh, we would fix it up. And in my mind, it, I could fix it up, get it real nice, and sell it and make a bunch of money. And I had been told that if you do this, um, you know, couple times you can own a house outright, you know, and I, I didn't have any degrees, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have real huge career prospects for making a ton of money, so this seems like a good way if you're going to be a laborer to kind of get ahead and get yourself established. Well, around the same time that this was taking place, I started meeting some, some folks um, who really were inspiring me and challenging me with the way that I understood the gospel. I'd been been previously been discipled for the last couple of years in sort of an ultra-conservative charismatic, non-denominational church, and um, very, very um, beautiful people who walked me into their home, but very strict and um, legalistic sort of views of things, and, and uh, I was kind of blown away by this group of folks that I was meeting at the north end of town, um, you know, we, they're having this soup kitchen, you know, and I'd been in the soup kitchens before where we stand here and we serve food and we give them to homeless people as they come through the line or whatever. Um, but I, I went to this place Monday morning at the Little Grill restaurant at the time, and uh, it was totally different than anything I'd experienced before. The idea was that if you came in order to have some food, that you should really come help in the kitchen, chop up some carrots, start working, come a little bit early, work into this thing, and help, help um, provide, help be a part of it. If you came just to serve and give people food, you're really missing the point if you don't sit down and have dinner with these folks, you know? And these are people living on the streets, people dealing with mental illness, people dealing with serious drug addiction, people who walk in who just piss themselves because they're so drunk, you know, and, and smell awful. Um, but if you didn't sit down and eat with them, you're kind of missing the point. Um, as I started to... To get together with these folks, they, it came out that they had a little prayer meeting that they had. And so we, me and Emily started meeting with them and praying. Um, started finding out that these, these people, that the call of Christ to them and in their situation and what they felt the Spirit of God was leading them into was to care for the poor. Um, to love folks um, inspired by um, some of the saints, um, uh, Mother Teresa, St. Francis, different folks like that, the Anabaptist movement. Um, to care for the poor. And they were actually welcoming people to live into their, in their homes with them um, who were living on the streets. And we were really challenged by that. Um, one thing I do want to preface also in this story is that I'm going to share a story from my experience and where God has called me and, and a group of folks that I'm deeply um, woven and knit with. Um, but it's true that God calls people to different places and different things. And so I'd hate for people to come away thinking, you know, if you're not doing the things that, that what's going on in our life that you're missing the point because, um, you know, there are people that Jesus says, you know, drop your nets and follow me. And then there's people where, you know, Aubrey pointed out last night with the demoniac, you know, go back to your family and, and, um, and, and be a part of your community. There's all sorts of things. And so let that, let that stand as I share this testimony and stuff. But we were, we were challenged by this. And so all of a sudden I'm fixing up this house and there's two stories to this house. And we were going to rent out the bottom to pay our mortgage, um, pay it down as fast as we could. This is all in my head. And then we'd sell it after three years when you don't have the capital gain stuff to deal with or whatever it is, five years. Buy another house, maybe do that again. And, you know. and all of a sudden, you know, really this is a, I, I wanted to preface this also or, or share that in my mind the story of the fishes of the loaves is really helpful in, in, um, 
in helping to convey our story, you know. Um, this, in the story of the fishes of the loaves, one, there's one in Mark where Jesus says, well, well, what do we have? What do you have? He asks the disciples, what do you have, you know. And they're like, well, you know, we've got a couple, couple fish and, and some loaves. And, and I, th- I feel like at this stage as we're working on this house and, um, and doing this work, you know, I'm cooking up some fishes and loaves. You know, there, 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 was, a, there was some people who brought fishes and loaves to the big gathering, you know. Um, there were people who, who came prepared. Um, there's these masses of folks who have no food. But there were people who came prepared. And, and you know, I feel like as we were fixing up this house and, and thinking through this, we're preparing our fish sandwich, you know. We got some bread. We got some fish. Um, and it's going to work out. And, uh, but Jesus says to them, well, you know, let me have it. You know, give it to me. And let's see what happens, you know. And, uh, and I feel like that's, 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 that depicts a lot of what we felt like was taking place. Is like, well, what else could this house be used for? You know, what, what else could happen here? Let's, what, is, what if we give this to God? What if Christ wants to do something else with that? And I, and we, and I felt that challenge or, or that call. And so it's tough, you know, you got a fish sandwich in front of you, and uh, you're pretty excited about it, you brought it, you were prepared, I'm sorry that everyone else wasn't prepared, but I was, um, you know, but as we looked around in the community where this house was situated, there's a lot of poverty, a lot of poverty of spirit, a lot of poverty, physical poverty, and, uh, and I had come with a real, I felt a real call for discipleship in my life, that, that was part of what my calling was to help walk and lead people in, in discipleship. And within this context, um, in poverty and with a lot of drug addiction and a lot of abuse and a lot of self-destructive behavior, we started, me and a friend who, who I'd been framing houses with, we started to, um, and, and my wife Emily, we started to gain this vision of sort of a discipleship thing that we could do, that maybe what we could do is he could move downstairs and we could start welcoming folks who are ready for a new start in life. Um, and so that was sort of, the inertia or the beginning, the seed that was planted. And, and, he, and eventually he moved in downstairs and we started to welcome people to come live with us. And we started this program called Our Community Works. And we would go and we'd do basically anything people would give us money for. You know, we'd paint roofs, we'd um, trim your bushes, we'd mow your lawns and whatever. And we would work with folks. Um, and it was really haphazard. And it was really kind of, yeah, very, very loose. Um, but we met some beautiful people and some, some great things happened. But just as this started to get going... And this is where we start to speak about God's provision. You know, just as we were kind of cooking our fish and God asked us, you know, will you give this to us? And we, and we decided to, to give it to him. Um, some, something incredible happened, which was we, uh, you know, got this phone call as a community um, that there was this, this house um, that needed to be sold. There was an organization called Crossing Creeks, and they were no longer going to be able to operate in this house. And so, you know, they'd be interested in us being able to maybe take it over. Um, and we're like, well, you know, at first it was like $1.2 million that they're asking for. Um, and it was way, way out of anything that we ever thought would be possible for us. Um, I don't want to bore you with the details, but eventually there was a possibility for us to get this house and, and a small portion of the acreage. It was originally 160 acres. This house and 15 acres for 250000 And um, And so suddenly, we go from this sort of fumbling, bumbling little attempt at something, which was really, really haphazard. I mean, there was, you know, um, yeah, you know, we didn't have prayers, we didn't, we weren't even really eating meals together, it was kind of like a couple bachelors down there, and sometimes we'd grab jobs and kind of try and figure out how to make it work. But suddenly, 
it turns out that we've been, that God has provided a way for us to enter into this 6,000 square foot mini, I mean, mansion, manor, huge, six bathroom, six bedroom house on a hill with a deck, you know, half the size of this room off the front porch on 15 acres of Shenandoah beauty that backs up to the national forest, you know. Suddenly there's this multiplication. Suddenly, you know, this couple fish and a couple loaves has a lot more significance. There's movement. There's something happening. The breath of God has hit some dirt and, and something's being formed here. Something's happening. And so that's part of the story, you know. And, and as we enter in, there's still a lot of, I mean, we're still working out the kinks. We're still um, stumbling towards this thing. But God has provided time and time again. Um, and, and I want to share a little bit more about, about some of the specifics, you know, as we've moved into this place, you know, we still have a mortgage, we have like an, you know, $80,000 budget we have to figure out how to pay every, every year, and there's been some, some, uh, some times when it was a little bit tight, you know, and uh, we're not sure what's going to take place. Um, do you mind if I set this here? I know you Anglicans take the Lord's table and stuff very seriously, so I don't want to defile it. <laughs> um, I... Um, you know, there's been some tough spots. And last year in the fall, we'd been operating for almost two years. And we had a few instances that took place um, that were kind of wild that, that led to some folks leaving. And, we led, and it led to a pretty rough patch for us. And we decided to stop taking people in for a little while. So we, develop, we end up developing this, what we call a Christian work recovery community. And we stopped taking people in for a little while in order to seek what God would have for us. What, where are we going? What's happening? Because... because it didn't seem like we were quite right where we were supposed to be. You know, God had provided this incredible place, but things were still, were still working it out. And, um, and I'll tell you a, a testimony that I, I want to share every time I speak these days is that in, in deciding to take some time to rest, um, God really worked and moved. And I've heard, I've heard some of, Aubrey, some of Aubrey's um, preaching with regards to the fact that when God first created us, and told us, here's everything. Here's this beautiful work that you can do. Here's this garden. Here, go multiply. The next day says rest. You know, don't do anything, you know. And uh, it is out of rest that we can ultimately work. And it's out of a time when we stopped and we rested that God really started to move. During that time, I felt the permission, uh, kind of by the Spirit of God, to, to pray for a few things and really expect them. Um, and I want to share some of this because this has to do with provision. Um, the one was to bring the right people with the right gifts and the right spirit to this place that we would cultivate a good soil. Um, we reopened our doors in the spring, um, right around April. And just around that time, a fellow named uh, Jonathan um, Canone, who shared last night, stumbled into our doors. And there was actually a story he wanted to share last night that he shared with me that he, didn't, he forgot last night, which was that he was hitchhiking from Richmond. And he couldn't get a ride. He couldn't get a ride. He's in the rain, and it's hours and hours. And he calls our community farm. He'd heard about us through a friend. He's like, I want to come to the farm and just see what you guys are doing, you know. And uh, Emily answered the phone, and she's like, yeah, okay, yeah, feel free. Just show up when you can make it, you know. And he's like, okay, but I've been here a long time. I haven't gotten any rides. And she's like, okay, well, I'll be praying for you. Uh, I'll pray that you can get a ride. (laughs) No, no sooner he hung up. What? Yeah, we were far away. Sorry. Yeah, right. Oh, be well fed. And yeah. No. Sorry. 
we're in Richmond. But she said, well, we'll pray that you can get a ride, you know. We have lots of folks come through, and you never know what's going on. But he, he hung up the phone, and the next person picked him up and drove him right to the, our community farm. Um, and so, so God, and, and, and he's one of the people, one of the first people that has really taken the program that we've offered very seriously and worked the 12-step program and, and is making amends with people in his life, is doing the confessional work that's necessary. And so, you know, that prayer... Um, was was answered in a beautiful way. Um, another one is a 15-passenger van. Part of the craziness of the beginning was all of a sudden we had all these people living with us, and we had no money and no proper vehicles to transport them. And so, you know, we end up in these situations where people are in the back of trucks or things like that, and we're just not comfortable with it, and we stopped taking people in. And I said, I didn't want to take people in if we didn't have the proper ways to transport them. This, we're not, you know, this isn't... This is just, that's silly, you know. That's not, that's not what God wants for us. He's our provider. So I have written here 15 passenger van. These are prayers that I wrote in the fall. Um, the spring, about right around the springtime, Grace Covenant Church, the church that we were sent from to be a part of this ministry, donated us a 15 passenger diesel van. Um, and, and not only that, but it's a diesel van, so we converted it, and it runs on vegetable fuel, which is pretty awesome. If people are familiar with that, it runs on waste vegetable fuel, which is a, a big, big cut in the budget to not have to drive. Um, and, you know, and that was, you know, again, God provided for us where our needs were and where we were at. Um, this other one I have is housing for the weddings. Um, we heard that, um, or you guys heard that we all live in one room. It's a big room. It's pretty big. It's almost probably, it's pretty large. Um, we have our own bathroom. We have, so we're, you know, we have some space, but it's true. We need, we need to figure something out. There needs to be some sort of change as our family grows. There needs to be housing possibilities. Well, we live on 15 acres, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe we could, you know, build out here, you know. And I start talking to a friend of mine who's done a lot of developing in his life, and he, he's just like, you can ask, but these folks don't like to divide land, you know. The chances of them letting you build a house out here are just, I don't know, it's just go for it, but, you know. So I start working up my nerve to go to the county board to ask them if we can maybe think about building a house. And, uh, and I call up the board members from the old, old congregation, or the old organization that had operated it, you know. And I, was, I wanted to make sure, actually, because we never really checked with the board, they had done all this work. This is another incredible provision. We had bought a house once in town to try and start this safe house. And um, there was all these regulations. You had to have handicap access, this and that, and everything. And the neighbors came out against it in the end, and we weren't able to do it. But we were also overwhelmed by all the things necessary to let a group of people live together. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, we have another organization called New Community Project that's doing it right now. And it's been $40,000 worth of work just to get the house upgraded to a point where they're allowed to have a group of people living there. Well, the, the farm had this group home already there. We walked into the scene where we could have 13 people living in the same house. All the handicap access was done. They had to pave new roads to make parking spaces. All of that we walked into. Um, you know, this huge provision. Um, so anyway, I called the, one, of the board, the, one of the folks who was on the board of directors because I wasn't sure if we really had... He, he, they had told us, yeah, you'll, you'll inherit this group home ability. But we never really checked, you know. And so I'm, I'm about to walk into the county board to ask if I, build a, if I can build a house there. And there's a chance that they're going to say, not only can you not build a house there, but you can't even do what you're doing right now. You need to, everyone, you know. And so, so, we, um, so I call him and I ask him, you know, you're sure that we inherited this, right? And he's like, yeah, no question. He's like, no question. I was like, okay, good. And, and I'm about to hang up. And he says, what, what, do you, what do you got in your mind? And I'm like, well... 
I'm thinking about going to ask if there's any possibility that we could build another house out there. You know, and he's like, you know what? You know, now that I think about it, I, I don't know why we never told you guys this, but before we sold the property, we actually did all the work. We went to the county board. We had group meetings with all the neighbors and had people out to the farm and had a whole thing, got plans made professionally to develop and build three houses and an activity center on that land. And it was approved. And I'm like, excuse me? Um, he's like, yeah. You know, and it's like, do you think that we'll in- they inherit that? And he's like, I don't know. We should go check. So me and, me and Earl Martin, who also, by the way, is an incredible man, um, has a book called Reaching the Other Side, lived in Vietnam during the war. Incredible story. Me and him go to the county board, and we sit there, and we're kind of like, so, yeah, what is, we've inherited it. And she says to us, well, how long from the time that their staffing, or their program ended and your program started? And we counted it all up, and it was like 18 months. And she's like, well, if it was less than two years, then you inherit everything. And so right now, housing for the weddings. I mean, we still have to figure out how to get money to build a house. But, but the incredible, I mean, that, like I told my friend who was a, who's, again, a developer. And he's just like, not only is that amazing, but I cannot believe that five years ago or whatever, they convinced them to let that happen. They don't let that happen. You know, they do not like farmland being developed into these little communities. It's a huge deal. And so, you know, these are stories of the way that God has truly met our need as we're futzing around with a couple fish and some loaves, you know. We're trying to make some fish sandwiches, and Christ says, hey, I could use that. I could do something with that. And it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's move forward. Um, let's trust in that. Um, there's another one here that says one year's mortgage, and this was kind of the boldest prayer that I, that I came up with. Um, um, and I felt... I felt a little bit sheepish about it, but, um, you know, if you haven't gotten the, the idea yet, we kind of jumped into this thing, and, um, and, and we were, were kind of learning as we're going. Now, we felt called to it. That, you know, you don't want to just go jumping around into stuff, you know. We felt called into it, and, um, and as there have been mistakes that have been made, there's also been beautiful, beautiful victories that have been won throughout the whole thing. But um, we jumped into it, and at the beginning of this year, you know, there's a budget shortfall, around 27000 or something, as we were planning for the next budget. And so I felt that I needed to pray um, that, that, some, that somehow our mortgage would get paid for, because that would cover a good, a good portion of that. And, um, and while that specific thing hasn't necessarily happened, I don't know if folks read in the paper, people are familiar, there was a basil crop failure this year, and that was a $10,000 loss. So we went from a $27,000 budget shortfall to a $37,000 budget shortfall because of this incredibly weird weather that we had this year. If you're not a farmer, you might not know about it, but from a totally mild winter where all the bugs survived and flourished to rain in the middle of a hot July uh, that brought about all this mold, our crops were just devastated, basil crops. And so we had a $10,000 loss. So now we're at $30,000. Anyway, there's a newspaper article that goes out that tells people this dire situation. We've had about $34,000 come in from that newspaper article. And so not only was the $10,000 met, but about our mortgage was paid afterwards. And so, so all this is to say that it, at times it feels, you know, um, you know, you, you walk into the, the shadow of the valley or something, you know, you get in these moments where it's just like, what is really going on here? 
But the, those words of the Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and that's where I want to get into daily bread. I, I do want to welcome Aubrey to, to share um, a bit on this as well. But there are a few things that I, I really want to share from this passage. Um, and uh, so as we look, let's look at the scripture. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 6. Um, when you pray, yes, there we are. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, this is all to God's glory, to who God is. And then the shift takes place. Give us this day our daily bread. A couple things. One is, I've come to appreciate progression and, and, and the, the need for spring to lead into summer, to lead into fall, which leads into winter, which then leads into spring. And I've come to understand and appreciate the fact that a lot of times that's taking place within Scripture, within our spiritual walk. Sometimes we feel like things aren't where they should be, but it's because it's spring and we're expecting fall. It's time to sow seeds and we think, where's our harvest, you know? And there's a seasonality to things. I've found that especially true with the, with the Beatitudes, that, that taking them sort of as a progression can really be helpful. And I think that in the Lord's Prayer, as we enter into this place where we say the words, give us this day our daily bread, you know, there's some things that need to be informing them. One is we need to understand that God is our Father. You know, we need to know not only is our, uh, He our Father, which is beautiful and intimate, but He is holy and holy other than us and holy separate in some way. He's unbroken. In the way that we are broken, He is unbroken. Um, most folks probably have heard Aubrey's um, visualization of the time when his brother sh- threw the screwdriver and it shattered the glass. And we live in that brokenness, you know, that mess. God is, still lives in that unbroken place, you know. Um, but yet he is our father. Um, give, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We submit our will to God's will. Because when we come here, you know, if you look, it says, um, well, actually my translation doesn't say that. But, um, as, but the commentators that I read, read did say that in the Greek there's sort of this, may your will be done. Um, on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come. You know, it's not a direct command. It's sort of a, this is our will into your will. May this happen. But when we turn to this place, there's just a straight up petition. Give us this day our daily bread. There's no, may you give us this day our daily bread. It's give us this day our daily bread. That, the reason why we get to say that needs to be, not because... We're demanding, not because, you know, we get what we want when we want, but because we've prayed, let your will be done, not mine. You are my father. Children are not afraid to ask for things. Children are not scared to come up and say, hey, I need a glass of water. Hey, can you make me some pancakes, you know? Children are not afraid to come to their parents and to ask. And... And as we, as we look at this passage, give us this day our daily bread. God longs for children who come and who ask. At the end of, of, of the version in, in Luke, he talks about if you ask, you will receive. If you look in, in chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door is open. 
Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If we come as children asking for fish and for bread, and as Luke, Luke turns that, he says, you know, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more so will God give the Holy Spirit to us? If we come asking for the Holy Spirit, if we come asking for the, our daily needs to be met, our Father is more than ready and willing to give and to share. I really believe that, you know, in James, I believe it's, is it James? might be Philippians. It says, um, you know, what causes wars among you? He says, um, you ask and you do not receive. Oh, you do not have because you do not ask is how it starts. You do not have because you don't ask. So the implication is if you ask, you will receive what you need. Okay? Um, you ask, but you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong motives. You know? We, we take this first section of the Lord's Prayer and let it inform this petition. And we come boldly as children, not scared that our Father is mean, that our Father doesn't really want good things for us, that our Father isn't willing and able, but knowing that He is all of those things. And we ask for bread. And bread, you know, the, the title of my sermon, which I, I, would, I would have liked to have shared at the beginning, is um, Our Daily Bread for Soul and for Stomach. Um, you know, Christ says, I'm the bread... Of life, which comes down from heaven, you know? And he's referring to manna, which we read in the book of Exodus. Well, manna was real bread that they needed to fill their bellies. Christ, just before he says, I'm the bread which came down from heaven, I'm the bread of life, he feeds 5,000 people's bellies. Um, we divorce things in our culture, okay? Let, let not what God has brought together, let not man separate, let not man tear it asunder. We think of that in marriage, husband and wife, of course. But there are other things which are meant to be married. Our bodies, our souls, our beings. We are one. You know, These are not wholly separate things. And part of the evil that our culture has done is ripped these things apart and separated the spiritual from the physical. And, and that let us not divorce the things of God. Um, God has put these things together. And, um, and so God wants to feed our physical needs. He also wants to provide for us the Holy Spirit. And as we come to Him asking for fishes and for loaves, the promise is that our good Father will give. So in your circumstances, in your situation, wherever you're at, um, you know, one, one thought, you know, if, you know, you're in a situation, you know, when you preach this sermon and you look at this verse, give us this day our daily bread, in a country, in the wealthiest country in human history, where most people's ills actually come from overeating more than not having bread, right? I'd be amiss to not point that out, you know? What this means is give to me what I need for today, okay? Give to me what I need to sustain me for today to continue in your will and to continue to walk in your way. Um, And so as we come to God... We need to remember that this isn't a story of want. This isn't a just barely getting by. You know, if you look at the end of the fishes and loaves story, it says, and they all ate and they were filled. There's no lack. There's no want, okay? God desires as a good father to meet our needs. What our needs are takes some discernment in this culture. You know, if we were 
we were in the sub-Sahara or different places um, um, in South America, you know, we, we would probably literally be praying for bread. Um, here, you know, it, we might be doing the opposite. We might be praying for our diabetes, you know, situation. Um, we might be praying for our situation um, with, with maybe our, our nature of, of over-consuming, you know. That might be part of what we're praying for. But the reality is, no matter what it is, if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's a raise that you need because you want to put your kids into this, you know, this school or you want to, um, you know, serve the church in this way with some of your time, um, and you'd like to work a little less or something like that. There's all sorts of things. It takes some discernment. And so one thing that I thought I would offer for folks is to spend some time, you know, the next time you pray through the Lord's Prayer, spend some time in these, these beginning three petitions on God and His holiness, on His will on earth and in our lives. Spend some time orienting your life to who God is and what He can do. You know, the second part of the prayer I was talking about how this represents all of God and his glory and humankind and his, and his frailty. When it's meeting, what it's meeting is, give us this day, our daily bread today. Forgive us our trespasses, what we did in our past. And lead us not into temptation, into the future. Christ covers all of our existence in this prayer. And it's incredible. It's incredible. God's provision for all of our existence, past, present, and future. Um, and that's what our Father wants to do. That's who He wants us to be. But it is, but it is important that we orientate, orientate ourselves because our culture has so much deception. There's so much opportunity for us to get kind of confused about um, where this should go and what is our bread. What is it that we need in our situation, in our circumstances? Um, you know? Um, so I would like for that to offer that as a practice that folks could take. Um, to really take some time meditating on these three first three petitions, but not stopping there, but as you meditate on them and go through them and, and surrender your will to, to your Father's will, then feel bold, you know? Feel called. What is your vocation? Aubrey's been preaching about that. What, what is it that God is calling you to? Use that, those first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer to surrender into that and ask Him, where is that sweet spot for me in my vocation? And then boldly pray. Get a box. Do something. Write it down. You know, I, I'll finish with this story. This is primarily, I wanted to share stories. I grew up in a home with a single mom who had... Five different children with three different men. And I was the only one that she had had with my father. And she's a beautiful, my, my mother is a beautiful, um, deep, caring person. She grew up in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day, no, the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Longest name for a church in history. It's an offshoot of Mormonism. She left it when she was young. Um, she had a very rebellious life um, in a lot of ways. Suffered in, in some, some incredible, through some incredibly poor relationships. Um, but as I was being raised by her, Jesus was so important. There was something about Jesus. We never went to church. Uh, we had a friend who was uh, part of the charismatic movement, the Vineyard, and she would send us tapes. So sometimes we'd listen to these Maranatha songs and, and these Vineyard songs. And that was the closest we got to church. But when things got, <clears throat> sorry, when things got really kind of 
hectic, you know, as it happens in this sort of situation with a single mother, kids, different fathers. You know, there's a situation where my dad was going to move to Saskatchewan, which is about a 40-hour drive away, and I was going to live with him for one year and live with her for one year. Saskatchewan is in the middle of nowhere, and it's about minus 100 in wintertime. You walk on top of the snow, you know, like literally, I remember as a kid going to visit my grandparents and walking on top of the snow, and it was just like, There's nothing I was more scared of in my entire life than moving to Saskatchewan, you know? Um, And and my mom, we had this box, not this specific box. We had a box. It was was, um, the tapes of The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien's Hobbit. And uh, she took the tapes out. And whenever there was something that was really crazy, we would write down a prayer to Jesus and we'd put it in that box. And then we would look at it. Um, years later, months later, whatever. And there was a few instances where there was these incredible prayers that were answered. I never had to live in Saskatchewan. And that was a big one, you know. <laughs> do not, you know, do not let that happen. Um, and they were answered. Um, one of the guys who came out to the farm after I shared that story went out and made this. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we've stuffed some, some prayers in it. And as I've, I've just shown, they've been answered. Um, not all of them are answered. There's ones in there that, that actually, as I went through them, some of them made me sad. You know, there's folks that we were praying for um, that aren't doing so good right now. Um, but God moves and God has provided. And uh, as we come to him, he's our good father. So fishes and loaves.